Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you after a big, big Browns victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. Browns 41, Bengals 16. And look, Jordan and I talked about this on the, the podcast ahead of the game, right? It was, it felt like there were two options here. Number one, the Browns win and win big which is what happened, or they they fall flat on their face. And thankfully, thankfully, it was the former. Pretty much everything went right starting from the first Bengals drive. You know, they, they're marching right down the field. All the concerns about Burrow, the passing game, they're all there. And then Denzel Ward picked six to the house. Browns are up 7 nothing right away. And basically from then on, the, you know, the, the Bengals fought back a little bit, but then the, the Browns really had a stranglehold on this game, even starting in the first half, and it only got worse in the second half. So massive victory overall for the team. And I think my biggest takeaway from the game was just this was a huge moment for Kevin Stefanski and his coaching tenure for the Browns. Maybe, you know, the biggest as far as, you know, cementing the fact that he is the long-term coach of this team, I think it was really the first time, you know, uh, there were some questions about that. And then this was a huge moment for Baker Mayfield as well as the quarterback of this team, obviously. And and I'll start with Stefanski. I mean, he's an incredible play caller. I have come on here time and time again and, and said that and pointed out, you know, if you go look, what he is doing on the field as a play caller is it's better than anything the Browns have had really here. You know, outside of maybe you could talk about when Kyle Shanahan was here running the offense as the offensive coordinator, but Stefanski's the head coach. It's a different situation, and he's really that good. But there's more to it than just calling plays. He is the head coach uh, of this team, and, and we've seen how he, you know, he dealt really well with the COVID issues that this team faced last year and everything like that. But that wasn't really a question of you know, the team chemistry, right? That was leadership in a different sense, right? You're battling outside circumstances that are rallying, you know, uh, the troops. This is an inside circumstance. This was inside his own locker room with Odell Beckham Jr. I think it's clear that that's where the drama was this week. You know, players getting asked about it, all that kind of stuff. You worry that's going to take away from the focus in what was a huge game for this team. Their season, I mean, I don't want to say it was on the line, but it was pretty close, you know, you lose another game in division. The Bengals separate that much more. You've still got the Ravens twice, not an easy schedule. You'd start to think if they lost this game that, that the season could really go off the rails. But instead, it was the opposite. And I think you saw, you know, from, a, uh, you know, that he was on his game right from the start. Both, uh, you know, as a head coach, the team came out focused. They came out executing, unlike last week, where you saw the drops, you saw all of that stuff. Now this too, and I know there were some penalties in this game, but this team came out, they were sharp, they were focused. And, and then, you know, from the play calling perspective too, I, I think things were, were great on that front. And then, and then there's Baker Mayfield. And look, this is the good, this is the good version of Baker Mayfield. I talked about how it's, you know, he's, he's falling a little bit into that Kirk Cousins trap of sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's bad, but this was good. I mean, I'm, what else is there to say? I mean, his play, I think, was good. I wouldn't go as far to say great. I mean, he didn't do anything insane in this game from the quarterback position. He didn't have to, which is a good thing. But it's the intangibles. 
you know, it's the leadership from him as well. I, I obviously started with Stefanski, but I think it really comes more from him. And that has to be his separator if his play is going to be up and down, like it has been throughout most of his career. I, you know, I would love for him to be more consistent. Maybe it'll get there. But the reason I said that Kirk Cousins comparison, you know, wasn't entirely fair is because he is more likable. He is more of a leader. It, I don't know really how you could argue that any other way. And you saw it in this game. Not, not only did he come in looking focused and looking sharp, but that energy translated to the rest of the team, right? It was just from the beginning, this team was making plays. The energy was there. The body language was there. You know, that's not usually my focus on the podcast. You go, guys know I'm not, you know, body language doctor guy. That's frankly, that's typically Jordan's role uh, on the show. But I thought it was pretty obvious in this game. And so that's why I thought it has to, you know, it has to be talked about as the overall takeaway here is the Browns energy was different in this game than it had been all season. It felt like, frankly, that first Chiefs game as well. And is it a coincidence that those things happened when Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't there? No, it just, it, it wasn't. You know, look, I'm forever, forever, I've been the guy saying that the Browns are not worse with Odell Beckham Jr. on the field. I said that a, a bunch the second half of last season. I said it over the offseason. I started to say it at the beginning of this season. And for me, the reason I kept saying that was I was like, look, in the Chiefs game, for example, in the playoffs last year, you saw the, the disrespect at times they showed to our receivers, a lot of tight coverage, nothing over the top. And then you turn on the tape and Odell Beckham Jr. is open and he is the one pressing those defenses, you know, putting pressure on the ceiling of the defense, but, but you just can't argue. It didn't work with Baker Mayfield. It didn't work. There were styles of play did not work, whether it was in Baker's head. I don't know. For some reason, the two of them didn't work. He may work better elsewhere and Browns fans will groan and complain, but that doesn't matter. He did not work on this team on this team. He was not a fit. And at some point when the evidence is hitting you over the head, you, you got to change your stance. And that's how I feel. I'm, I'm changing my tune. I, I always laugh when people are like, well, you changed your opinion. Yeah, because there was new information. And the new information has, has been that time after time that when we watch Odell Beckham Jr. lead this offense, Baker Mayfield plays better. And today, I mean, Baker Mayfield had completed passes to eight, eight different players today. You want to know how many completions Baker Mayfield had? 14, 14 completions, eight different guys. Nobody had more than two receptions. And not only did he have eight completions. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Jarvis Landry had three. But not only did he have eight completions, Nick Chubb had two of those. Harrison Bryant, two. Demetri Felton, David Njoku, Austin Hooper. These guys are all not receivers. We've talked about it time and time again, dating back to college. Baker Mayfield loves tight ends. He's the screen game has been fantastic for him in Cleveland under Kevin Stefanski. He works the middle of the field really well. And I, frankly, I think it's a symptom of being a shorter quarterback though. It's weird. Russell Wilson doesn't throw to the middle of the field. So maybe not, but uh, I, for some reason, Baker's Mayfield's game translates to the tight end position. He loves to throw there. And that's what they did in this game. They spread the ball around. This offense was balanced. It felt like the offense, the second half of last season, it felt like the offense at the beginning of the year. They were at their best when Baker's spreading it around. But also, you know, really when this offense is at its best is when Baker's not doing a ton because the strength of this offense is not its quarterback, which is just it's unusual, but it's, it's a fact. The strength of this offense is his offensive line and his running back. 
much like the Tennessee Titans, who are playing on Sunday night football right now. The strength of this team is that. And this offensive line mashed the Bengals, absolutely mashed them. Nick Chubb had 14 carries, 137 yards, almost 10 yards a carry there. That's the identity of this team. And everybody knows that. But sometimes it's hard to establish that when your quarterback's not playing well. So they go hand in hand, right? There has to be balance. We've seen the last couple weeks just how hard everybody's been selling out for the run. But every time the Bengals did that, Baker Mayfield answered in this game. They could not just sit on the run. And then, you know, Baker mixed in the tight ends well. He mixed in the receivers. And the Browns actually took some deep shots. One in particular to Donovan Peoples-Jones. And that's that's the big thing. It is For the last couple of weeks, this offense was missing that stretch the field component to it. I don't know why some of those throws weren't being made, but they had it in this game. And when you, you know, when teams can't just play something ridiculous like a 6-2 front or, or just play, you know, one single high safety the whole game, you see what it does to this offense. Hey, you know, it opens up the running game, which then opens up the play action, and, and then everything starts to flow. It all starts to make sense. And and that deep shot, again, to, to Donovan Peoples-Jones, it, it felt like today might have been his breakout game a little bit, which is weird to say because he only had two receptions for 86 yards, but they were huge, huge receptions Again, that, that are the type of bend-the-defense type plays that ultimately make this offense hum. I mean, the, uh, you know, the one obvious deep shot, but then also that, that catch down the sideline where he hung on to the ball uh, before the safety knocked him out of bounds. Those are the type of plays that force defensive coordinators to say, hey, we can't just sit in, in single high safety man coverage or, or we've got to you know, change things up you know, to, to give this offense a different look because we do sell out on the run. They're going to punish us over the top. And, and Baker Mayfield was able to do that today. I, I Again, I don't think he was, you know, lights out, but 14 for 21, I mean, and the offense put up 41 points. They were doing great. Look, and none of these guys are, I think, you know, at this point, the idea of an individual receiver that's going to put up a ton of yards just probably isn't there for the Browns team. They're going to spread it around, but if they can cobble together enough to make this passing game feel as threatening as it did today, then it doesn't really matter. They don't need that Odell Beckham Jr. type guy because when you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones stretching the defense, when you've got Schwartz stretching the defense vertically and horizontally, you've got Demetri Felton stretching the defense as well in different ways. It's different in terms of it's not just one guy that's got that gravity, but all of these guys have strengths that the Browns capitalize on and put pressure on a defense with. And so that's what I think they can do, you know, to, to make up for the the lack of a traditional number one receiver like Odo Beckham Jr. And I think it ultimately fits the, the, the play style of Baker Mayfield as well. The other thing we got to talk about is the defense. When you win in the NFL by 25 points, typically it's not just one side of the ball, right? It's, it's both sides of the ball playing really well. And it's funny because the defense gave up a lot of yards, at times, but this was the secondary's breakout game. That's the story. And the the identity of this defense has been its defensive line, and the defensive line was great in this game, too. I know there weren't insane sack numbers by any means, but they put a lot of pressure on Burrow and caused a lot of problems. Sometimes sacks aren't always the be-all, end-all. I'm sure when the pressure rate numbers come out in this game, the Browns will be really high in those categories because they, they put a lot on 
uh, Joe Burrow, but it was the secondary that made plays. And Denzel Ward, of course, got it started with his pick six. And, and frankly, you know, he didn't have this, uh, two interceptions, but he almost did because, you know, the other interception Burrow threw, that was Denzel Ward's play. He was the one that knocked the ball up in the air. And then I think it was John Johnson came down with it, but it was Denzel Ward's play on both those interceptions. He almost had his breakout game of the season. And it's funny to say that because he's been a pro bowler, but he's just been so up and down this year. And when he's playing at this level, this defense is as a whole takes itself to another level because, you know, when you've got that lockdown corner, it just adds another element that makes it so difficult for offenses. And, I was really impressed with Denzel Ward today. I really was. The Browns, look, they just had one interception the whole season, the whole season coming into this game. And, you know, of course, a component of that is luck and everything else. But given what we expected out of this secondary, this season to only have one interception is pretty disappointing. And Ward got things started right away, you know, with that pick six in the first quarter. And then, frankly, I think Greg Newsom's day might have been even more impressive. Greg Newsom was all over the field, breaking up pass after pass. It felt like the Bengals, for some reason, were going after him. And that was a mistake. He was great in, in this game. And we talked about when the Browns drafted him. Part of the reason I thought this was such a home run pick is also the fit between him and Denzel Ward, because the Browns really struggle against bigger receivers, typically. Denzel Ward is not his strength. We've seen that at times. It's really not Grady Williams' strength. Uh, on the other side of the ball. And of course, you know, he was out today uh, in the game, but the Browns needed somebody who could play a little bit more physical. And although Greg Newsom is not big, he is physical. And he was really physical with the Bengals wide receivers today who are big guys, Jamar Chase, T Higgins. They will challenge you at the point of attack. And we saw a couple balls where, where Higgins got his hands on it or Chase got his hands on it, but they couldn't bring it in because of the physicality that Greg Newsom was playing with. So I thought he might have been even more impressive than Denzel Ward, even though Denzel Ward splash plays definitely, you know, will be the hi highlight ones at the end of the day here. And then John Johnson had a good game too. He needed that. You know, he's had a couple of good games in a row. And I know there's been some talk about his usage and all of that stuff and where he's being used on the field. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he was supposed to be a balanced safety, you know, whether not he's playing more, you know, in coverage than, than he should be. Otherwise, that's, you know, a, a topic for another podcast. But right now, you know, when in coverage, he's playing at a much higher level than he was the first couple of weeks. And then you know, Anthony Walker, too, a, a guy that just provides some stability, you know, 14 tackles in this game. I thought he was all over the place, too. Uh, he's not always my favorite player. I, I think he can be a little bit slow afoot at, at times, but the Bengals really couldn't take advantage of that. So. Uh, a really solid game out of him as well. And, and just the defense, it was at all three levels, for sure. The defensive line, you know, again, Miles Garrett, the sacks numbers may not pop off. Uh, you know, the, the team, the team had five overall, which is not bad, but frankly, I thought a lot of times their best pass rushes came when they didn't get sacks. Uh, yeah, it, there were some really, really big pass rushes where they got home or were close to getting home. And I know they called the roughing the passer too on some of those that were, uh, shall we say, questionable. But the, uh, the overall, the pass rush, once again, dominant. So, so now where does that leave us? I mean, the Browns are five and four. What a huge, huge victory. I mean, it felt like after that Steelers loss, 
last week that that the season could go the wrong way. And now they're five and four. The Bengals are five and four. Think about that. Two weeks ago, everybody was on the Bengals bandwagon. I know I was one that, that was banging the table saying, hold on a second here. But uh, I'm and I'm starting to feel pretty vindicated about that. But now the Browns are ahead of the Bengals in the division. Uh, we'll see where everything shakes out with the Steelers. But I think the biggest thing here is really, guys, everything is still in play for the Browns. Now, this week went great. A lot went right for the Browns. The bounces of the football went right for the Browns. Pretty much, yeah, Overall, I thought it was a, a favorable mashup for the Browns. I talked about that on paper, that this Bengals team, kind of their strengths and the Browns' you know, weaknesses didn't exactly line up. I thought you know, if the Browns could contain the receivers, which they did, that was the one spot I was worried about, that, that the rest of the things lined up for the Browns pretty well, and they did. But a lot of the bounces went right as well. And they've got a huge, huge game with the Patriots next week because, as I said, everything's kind of still in front of this team. There's no team that's massively separated. And if you just think about the division, you know, the Ravens won today, but barely against Minnesota. Barely, barely, barely. It would have been really nice if they lost. I was aggressively rooting for Minnesota in overtime to come out with that one. But the Browns still play the Ravens twice. And we've talked about how that schedule lineup really favors the Browns too, because it's Browns play the Ravens by week while the steel, while the Ravens play the Steelers and then the, the Browns play the Ravens again. So that's a great setup for the Browns and they are right in it. The, the Ravens are not, you know, they're six and two, but with the Browns, you know, with those two games still to play, I think they're right in it and nobody really in the AFC has separated themselves that much. Yeah. Vegas, I know is high in the standings right now, and Tennessee is currently beating the Rams. We'll see if that holds a couple of bad picks from Matt Stafford in the first half. But in general, uh, I, I think the Browns are right there. It, you know, I'm still probably leaning to the fact that they're, you know, a, a non-division kind of wild card type team. But that, first of all, I would love if the Browns could get in the playoffs again at all. But I do still think, you know, the idea of a, a game where they can get it at first energy stadium is not out of the question but it starts with next week because if they can get the ball rolling versus the Patriots, I mean, that is a team that they're going to be right in the thick of things with in that wild card standings. You know, the, the Patriots have been playing well the last couple of weeks, but if they can get that win, then all of a sudden you start to see the schedule lineup. You start to see the lions on the schedule and then maybe you can get on a little run before the bye week. So we'll see. Uh, the Patriots present a lot of challenges. Everybody knows Bill Belichick. We'll get into all that stuff later on but until then Browns fans huge huge victory I'm also on the road this week so sorry if the, the mic quality is not as good I'm also sick uh, but in, enjoying uh, the San Francisco weather a little bit out here because it's a little warmer than in Chicago and I'm also enjoying the fact that Sunday Night Football is in the third quarter and it's uh, just a little after seven o'clock here it's kind of a wild schedule the Browns game at 10 a.m it's crazy watching games out on the West Coast Browns fans. It is absolutely a different experience. I'm sure if you guys have experienced it, you would agree because you know it's not that one one Eastern kick. You basically are waking up here and you've got Browns football on. But anyway, I'm rambling. It's time to wrap this one up, Browns fans. Jordan and I will be back on to get, you know, to hear his thoughts about the game. We'll preview the Patriots game as well. So plenty more to come here, but big win. Go Browns. <laughs>